back to Sip and Spin. My name is Skylar, and over here in a like burgundy romper is Brittany. Hello. This is a variety podcast where we talk about anything, everything, and nothing. Woo. Yay. It's been a minute. It has. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting off great. I left my headphones in the car. We forgot to turn the microphone on. Everything's fine. Everything's fine, but we're here. I'm two gin drinks in. Everything's fine. We're ready to go. How was your week? Well, it's been a few weeks. Yeah, how was, how was your time? Well, I'm trying to think. Not a whole lot happened, except one thing did happen. I went on the worst edibles trip I've ever been on. Oh no! <laughs> what? Well, explain. <laughs> what happened? So what happened was, Richard somehow found these like sleep gummies that have THC in them, but they're completely legal for mm-hmm. now until they get, you know, outlawed here. But so he ordered two packs of them because he's like, oh, I'm just going to order two. They were expensive just in case they ever become illegal. Mm-hmm. So they're completely, completely illegal right now, but I don't know the name of them. I don't have them on hand. But uh, one day I was just in my bean bag. I was reading my smut, like everything was fine, I was vibing, I probably had a couple of glasses of wine, and he's like, hey, do you want a gummy? Because they're like, for sleep, mm-hmm. supposed to like, mellow you out, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try one. So I had one, and I just kept reading, and I was like, alright, this is fine. And I kept reading, and I kept reading, and I was reading this series that I got really into, and I would spend like, late hours, like one time when Richard was gone, I stayed up till 5am reading this book, like it was, I was really into this series. And, uh, and so I, the more I kept reading, the more I was just like, why is this repeating itself? I've already read this. And like, it kept getting blurry and I just kept repeating the same lines over <laughs> and over. And I was like, what is happening? And I was like, oh wait, I took a gummy. And I was like, oh shit, I need to chill out. So I got on TikTok. <laughs> it was like, bad idea. Why is it showing me the five same TikToks over and over again? And I was like, okay, this isn't working. I just need to go to bed. So I made myself go upstairs. He fell asleep on the couch. Like, he was out. So like, I need to go to bed. So I just made myself go to bed. And so I just laid there. But then all of this stuff just kept happening in my mind. And I was seeing things. I was hearing things. I was freaking the fuck out out of my mind. And I was like, this isn't working. So then I was like, what am I going to do? I'm like, I'm going to wake Richard up. So I go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 3 a.m. And I'm like, Richard, I need you to wake up and deal with me because I am not okay. And like, it was just so bad. I was not handling it okay. He put on like Game Grumps TV for me and it was just like, I've seen this skit five times. And he was like, Brittany, no, you haven't. And I was like, yes, it just keeps repeating. And he's like, it's really not. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm going crazy. Like I thought I was going to die. Like it was that paranoid city. <laughs> So, I haven't had another one since. <laughs> that might be for the best. <laughs> but he likes them. And he was like, yeah, I probably should have only given you a half one for your first one. And maybe not when you were drinking. And I was like, yeah, yeah, think. <laughs> Good job, Richard. When I'm staying up in a book, he's like, yeah, you're supposed to take it and like go to bed immediately. I was like, I did not do that. <laughs> Ugh, Richard. <laughs> so, yeah, that was like the biggest thing <laughs> that happened. That stuck with me because I'm like, oh my god, I'm dying. Like, I was like, I'm dying. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're fine. I was like, how do you have a heart attack? And he was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I was like, do you feel it coming? 
does sound like you phrased that question like you were asking how to induce a heart attack. Oh man, but he he had a laugh even though I woke him up at like 3.30 a.m. dead asleep. I was like, you have to deal with me. <laughs> so yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> like a good time. It was a riot. <laughs> how have you been? Oh. <laughs> you got my text message oh, yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Maybe you need a gummy. <laughs> Maybe I do need a gummy. <laughs> Fucking work. I swear to God. I'm about to start just straight up killing people. That's what's going to happen. Tis the season. Well, when I told my dad, I was like, hey, dad, I'm about to head to Brittany's. He was like, he, like for some reason, he heard, like, I'm going to cut the head off of Brittany. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go commit murder with to Brittany. And he was like, well, that's what it sounded like you said. I was like, no, I'm going to head to Britney's. He was like, oh, okay, have fun. <laughs> I mean, probably wouldn't blame you. Oh, my hand is fine, by the way. There's still like a scar from the puncture wound, but no, she's chilling. I mean, that's good. No more pain. No. No, I'm pretty sure I have an ovarian cyst right now. I grew up with those. Yeah, they always ruptured and that sucks. Yeah, so far mine hasn't ruptured and like it says it's like, it rupturing isn't, like, a super high chance. Like, most of them just go away after, like, one or two months. That's um, lucky. Because I used to have chronic rupturing cyst. <laughs> Not fun. Yeah, but on Tuesday, when I go into work tomorrow, I'm going to be like, sorry, guys, I can't help with furniture or moving heavy things. Because one of the things that I was, like, could make it worse or make it rupture is, like, picking up heavy stuff and... Will you actually stick to that? <laughs> well, if I go in and tell them, then yes, I will stick to it. Mm-hmm. I just have to actually tell them because otherwise <clears throat> I'll just pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, and then you can seriously hurt yourself. Yeah. So, no more heavy lifting at work for me for now. So she says. <laughs> Better not. So, uh, you were in charge of the drink, so I guess we'll start there. Yeah, so it was Skylar's choice, and uh, I was going to do like a peach Moscow mule, and... I was really looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, and after the week I had, and also the fact that I didn't start uh, reading our book until today, um, and speed read 35 chapters, um, I didn't do that, because <laughs> I didn't feel like having to make a drink. So I just bought these like Cayman Jack margaritas and they, they taste like Sprite and they're just like little bottled Cayman Jack margarita cocktails. Are they like salty like a margarita? No. I've never had them so that's why I have no idea. I thought you have had a margarita. We went to Los Amigos with Yes, Kayla. I had a margarita. Oh. <laughs> I've never had. Like I don't typically like, like I've had the, the canned whatever they're called margaritaville mm-hmm. type stuff that's like pure syrup. Like, I just, I've never had good luck with pre-made margarita things. I really enjoy it. I don't think they're super, I really do think that they taste so much like Sprite. But yeah, they're just these little Cayman Jack bottled margarita cocktails. Cheers. It is kind of like a salty Sprite. <laughs> I get a lot of the tartness more than I do salt. So, do you want to tell them about our topic? And since you kind of had control over that. Yes. So we spun literature and it was my choice to pick a book. So I picked a book that I've been hearing a lot of talk about, especially on TikTok, but it is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. So that is the book we picked. It's like a, like an old school Hollywood glam type 
story. Yes. Yeah. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is a historical fiction novel written by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, she currently lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Alex, and their daughter. That's really all there there is to know. She seems to keep like a more private life, which like, hey, do your thing. You do you. And the book was published by Atria Books on June 13th, 2017. It was ranked 4.4 out of 5 on Goodreads, 4.6 out of 5 with Barnes & Noble, and 5 out of 5 with Books A Million, as well as 96% of Google users liking the book. Yeah, so it came out in 2017, um, but within, I think, the last like year, it's really been blowing up on my like my TikTok and just social media in general. People have really been into it, and I think either people are speculating or maybe there is talks about it being made into a movie, Ooh. and that's why I was like, ooh, I want to get a jump on this, mm -hmm. and just because I wanted to see what everyone was like talking about and making a fuss, and I also love like old school Hollywood, like growing up my bedroom was in like Marilyn Monroe and Audrey and like all of that so like I get it I like yeah it. I, I I have a big crush on both Audrey Hepburn and Marilyn Monroe yeah, such babes yes. <laughs> I love them so much so I was like yes I want to see what Evelyn Hugo is about uh, and she's in a green dress like obviously I'm for it because I love green yes <laughs> but yeah should we just jump in let's jump in okay so the way this book is told, though, is might be a little weird if you're not used to it. There's kind of like two different stories, but they're commingling, I guess, mm -hmm. is the way to say it. Well, okay, my first note is actually about the dedication. I guess this is her daughter, maybe? The author's daughter? I didn't get a name for the daughter. It just said her husband, Alex, and or Lila. their daughter. Okay, I don't know, but the dedication I really liked because it says, For Lila, smash the patriarchy, sweetheart. I was just like, <laughs> That's I love cute. that. <laughs> we we love are it. for that here. <laughs> okay, um, but so the book opens and it starts out with like, some parts of the book are told through like newspaper articles mm -hmm. and clippings, which I think is really fun. And they're like, they were fun to read as it came by. So it starts out with an article claiming that the Hollywood legend, Evelyn Hugo, is donating her beautiful gowns for charity and doing her first interview in decades. So it's been a long time. Um, what's weird is she kind of picks an unknown person for this job, mm -hmm. which is our narrator for the beginning of the book. And so that's kind of how the book is told. It's told through this unknown narrator, journalist, Monique, and then Evelyn's telling it, but it's her writing the story. Mm -hmm. if, so it's a little confusing, but that's how it's told. <laughs> Yeah, so like I said, there's the article um, and auction auctioning off 12 of her most recognizable dresses from events that she went to to raise money for breast cancer research. Um, and as her daughter, Connor Cameron, was who had died from breast cancer at 41. Yes. And then Evelyn, it kind of tells you she was born in 1938 to Cuban immigrants in New York City, moved to Hollywood in 1955. Uh, where she dyed her hair blonde and changed her name to Evelyn Hugo. We learned that she has had seven marriages and that when she retired in the late 80s, she was married to Robert Jameson, the older brother of Celia St. James, and she is now living in Manhattan. And so we get a little backstory of to who Evelyn is. And then Monique comes in. She's the junior reporter. 
who was like handpicked by yeah. Evelyn. Like she works for Evelyn this, requested. Yeah. Monique. So she works for this magazine called Vivant or Vivant. Vivant. I kept saying Vivant. Vivant. Okay, I did too. But I was like, is that a real word? <laughs> it might be Vivant. I don't know. But I was saying but think Vivant. Like I thought, like cosmopolitan. Like I yeah. thought Cosmo or Glamour. I thought something like that. And she kind of just is stuck with doing like fluff pieces mm-hmm. and shit she doesn't really care about that kind of thing. It's very How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, where she was doing these articles that she hated, but she wanted to be, like, a real journalist and do, like, the hard-hitting stories. That was kind of Monique, and she did one about um, people assisted dying. I don't remember. <laughs> and that's how she found her? Evelyn found her? She did, like, a, a legit journalist place. At, okay, I want to admit, I kind of blocked out the Monique stuff when I was reading. <laughs> I did, too, because I didn't really care. <laughs> But I, I cared more about Ellen. I understand. <laughs> okay, this book is a really good job of making a full circle. And so, mm-hmm. like, I get it at the end. But I'll be honest, in the beginning, we both waited till last minute to read this book. But I was so into the Evelyn glamorous Hollywood story. I kind of blacked out when it was about the present day Monique. <laughs> because I was, I was also legit started the book this morning and read 35 chapters. And I was like, all right, um... I'm speed reading through this and I don't give a fuck about what is happening with Monique right now. Like I know she's going through a tough time with David. They're getting separated. Yes. Other than that, I want to know everything about Evelyn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Evelyn is the star. <laughs> but the gist of it is she made this like one really hard hitting, like provocative, in-depth, emotional piece, but she like was no holds bar, no fuss. It wasn't fluff. It was just stark, real writing but then she works for this magazine and they make her do like flux pieces and so evelyn reached out to this magazine that she works for and she's like hey i'm ready to do my first interview for in so long or whatever um but i want this person i want monique to do it and so that's a big deal and they're like all right that's weird but we want you because you're Evelyn Hugo and you're amazing and glamorous. You get whatever you want. So. <laughs> Monique started to research Evelyn, her seven marriages, her career with all of the glamour and the scandals. Um, and she dives completely into Evelyn's story, which is a welcome distraction from the separation from her husband, David. Yes. Yeah. So she's going through like a divorce, possibly, but right now it's kind of just a separation type thing in her head and all of that fun relationship stuff. So she gets there, she meets with Evelyn, and it turns out that Evelyn doesn't actually want to do a cover or fluff piece for the magazine. Mm -hmm. That was like a lie. She invited Monique under false pretenses. Yes. What she wants is something much more juicy. She wants to tell her truth, aka her whole life story. She is ready to do a tell-all book. That is what she wants out of this. And she wants Monique to publish this biography after she dies. Mm -hmm. Which, like, you go there thinking, oh, this is for my job. It's just going to be a silly fluff piece about her donating all these dresses to charity, blah, blah, blah. And then it's just this glamorous Hollywood icon who's like, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) She descends down the stairs in all of her glory and she's like, shimmering <laughs> here's the truth sit down You're we gonna, got a book to write i'm gonna tell you all the juicy details of my life and then when i die you're gonna make a million <laughs> and it's like oh okay all right <laughs> so yes that is the premise of the book and 
so from this point on it goes back and forth between like them in Evelyn's house talking to Monique, Monique dealing with her thing, and then when you're in Evelyn's POV, it's like Evelyn telling her story, how she is telling it to Monique. But the main question that probably everyone wants to know, or like what Monique is asking is, who was the love of Evelyn's life? Right. When you have seven husbands, and you're known for that, that's gonna be a big question. That's like what Monique went into the book was that it was gonna be the piece to answer the question, who is the love of Evelyn's life? And Monique actually assumes it's Harry, who she spent the longest marriage with and who she had a daughter with, because it's Harry Cameron and then the daughter, Connor Cameron, who died of breast cancer. Um, But Evelyn says that Harry was her best friend and that they loved each other, but were not the loves of each other's life. And Evelyn says she's not ready to answer that question. Yes. Can you imagine having seven spouses? No. (laughs) (laughs) Can't imagine having one. Yeah, I'm like, I can't imagine having one. So, my commitment issues? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I think she might have commitment issues also. But, for good reasons. We're going to find out. This book is kind of clever. It's broken down into different sections for each husband. Mm -hmm. So, our first husband, we are at... Poor Ernie Diaz, husband number one. The first. So her first husband, she was very young, 15. very fucking young. What has happened in this, her first husband, the whole goal was basically, it's talking about her growing up. She did not grow up well. She grew mm-hmm. up very poor. She grew up in Hell's Kitchen, which is like a bad area in New York. And it's about how she would do anything to get out of there. She had an abusive father. Her mother, who was the only person she loved, basically died, like was gone. Like yeah, she, she died was when on she her was own. 11. And her mom's dream was to be a star in Hollywood. And so she kind of took it upon herself, like, I'm going to do that for my mom, mm-hmm. but I got to get out of Hell's Kitchen. And she, unfortunately, I guess, in this instance, was a beautiful girl. Like, she was gorgeous. Yeah, the whole thing with the cashier. <laughs> That's what I wanted to talk about. So she starts going to this convenience store, basically, and this cashier, here, I'll just kind of read this part because it is important, and it happens a lot more than young women want to talk about, and I hate it. So here we go. I didn't want him to kiss me. I pushed him away, but he held on to my arm. Oh, come on, he said. The store was empty. His arms were strong. He grasped me tighter. And in that moment, I knew he was going to get what he wanted from me, whether I let him or not. So I had two choices. I could do it for free, or I could do it for free candy. For the next three months, I took anything I wanted from that five and dime. And in exchange, I saw him every Saturday night and let him take my shirt off. I never felt I had much choice in the matter. Being wanted meant having to satisfy. At least that was my view of it back then. I remember him saying in the dark, cramped stockroom with my back against a wooden crate, you have this power over me. He'd convinced himself that his wanting me was my fault. And that was the sentence that I wanted to talk about. Cause I was like, Uh, And then she goes on to say, and I believed him. And I'm just like, I hate this for you, Evelyn. But it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. That was how her life started out, basically. Sucky. And that's kind of, it really does set a tone for her actions her whole life. Yes, because she realizes that her... She can get what she wants. Her sexuality and not in like sexual orientation, but like her sexuality can get her... Her body. Yeah, her body can get her what she wants and so she decides that what she really wants is to get out of hell's kitchen 
And if her body is going to get her what she wants, that's how she's going to get out. And she's going to do that. Yep. And I mean, like, she used what she had at that point. But it still just sucks that, that so many girls feel that. Um, and then this whole other part, it also talks about, like, her early work in Hollywood. How she pushed and um, kind of sold herself in that same vein to, like, people in Hollywood. Like, really old men. And she was still 15. And it was very gross. But... It still happens. It mm -hmm. happens every day. And then when, like, she got a Hell's Kitchen and made it to Hollywood by marrying Ernie Diaz. Mm -hmm. And, like, he took her away and because she was beautiful. She was gorgeous. She had a good good boobs. Like, that was her. That was her. It was very Marilyn. Thank mm -hmm. Marilyn Monroe. So he got her there. And then as soon as she was able to, like, push herself and get, like, in Hollywood a little bit more like she wanted, she then left Ernie. She was like, all right, we're good. Yeah, because she started <laughs> waitressing for, like, big Hollywood names. Yeah, and got, like, discovered, and, mm -hmm. like, because she put herself out there. And so it seemed, like, ruthless and kind of mean because he really was, like, infatuated, I guess. Not in love, but he liked yeah, the idea. I, and like I think Evelyn said, image. like, even though it broke Ernie's heart. Yeah, she goes, like, he ended up fine. Like, I think he ended up having a family, and he was yeah. happy. And so she, like, she doesn't feel bad. And, like, the whole thing with this book, um, she says it many times during out, Evelyn would do everything again. Yeah, she like, says this isn't she her. She has no regrets. She's not confessing her sins. She doesn't regret anything she did. She just doesn't have to hide the truth anymore because everyone she's ever loved is gone. Yeah. And so she's just putting it out there and just is like, this is my truth. This is how I became Evelyn Hugo. And she's like, and I'd do it again. Mm -hmm. So, like, Ernie, he he really liked her, like, looks-wise, at least, we can tell, because it wasn't a long marriage. We don't know how deep it really was on his side, but he got a family. He was fine. She doesn't feel bad. No. <laughs> he got her out of Hell's Kitchen, which is what she wanted. Our, our next husband is titled Goddamn Don Adler. So, yeah, I have a quite a bit on Don Adler actually. Before we got to Don, the studio that she ended up working for ended up was like really pushing her to pretend to date all of these different actors. They were mm -hmm. like, we gotta get you out there. We gotta get you available, being seen. And she doesn't even like them. Like she doesn't feel anything for these men. She's just like, all right, <laughs> it's fine. If that's what they want. <laughs> um, but the studio is like, no, fans really like it. Like they wanna see you being desired and all of this. And I have, like, a little side note to that. I was like, is that weird to you that they're pushing her to date people for fans? I thought it was different because nowadays people want their idols and to I was be like, single. And I, and I brought it back to K-pop and, like, all that. And I was yeah. like, people would riot. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so strange. And, like, is that an American thing? Would that happen back in the 50s? Because I'm not really sure. Because I'm like, I don't even know if people wanted, like, Elvis to be dating anyone or, like... The Beatles. Bogart or Marilyn to be dating. Like, yeah. I don't, like, was that even a thing? It just I seems so wild to me. They're like, no, fans will love it. You gotta date, like, 16 different men. And I'm like, would they? <laughs> I don't know. I would add, like, because you think it's so opposite because, like, I mean, yeah, because if you take it, like, even back to the Beatles, people were, wanted the Beatles to be single. People hated, yeah. God, what's her fucking name? Yoko? Oh, Yoko Ono? Yoko Ono. People hated her. Oh, yeah. For dating She's John Lennon. band. Yeah, people hated her for dating John Lennon. And it's and like, so, so is that a, is it a musician versus a movie or like an actor type of thing? Then do you think? I don't know. I don't 
It hair. could be. Especially, like, when you get to one of her wrecks. Um, yeah. Um, how people, since they were the leads in the show and were in the movie and were together in the movie and then were together in real life, people were like, oh, So it may be different in that way. Could be. It's just, I was just reading that. I was like, wow, how so different it is now. Yeah, because, like, nowadays <laughs> it's like, people get Don't you mad. dare touch my <laughs> person. Yeah. I just wanted to talk about that. It was, like, strange. Yeah, so she's being forced to go on all of these dates, and then she, one of those dates is Don Adler. And so she, like, hasn't felt anything for these guys, and then she kind of sees Don Adler, and she's like, huh. And so on page 63, she says, That and the fact that, at least at first, Don Adler treated me like a person. I did have that note. Okay. There are people who see a beautiful flower and rush over to pick it. They want to hold it in their hands. They want to own it. They want the flower's beauty to be theirs, to be within their possession, their control. Dawn wasn't like that. At least, not at first. Dawn was happy to be near the flower, to look at the flower, to appreciate the flower simply being. So that's how like that started. And I just also really liked that quote about people wanting to pick flowers for mm -hmm. possession. I was like, that's good. It's true. That is true. Don was the first person she felt attracted to, and he was also the first person to treat her like a person. Yeah, so it was that, and then, like, she goes on, like, you learn that he, she genuinely likes Don, and mm -hmm. she actually, like, lusts after him, which she's never been sexually attracted to any of the other men. Not mm -hmm. Ernie, not the cashier, not these guys she was forced to go on dates with. So, she's 19. She's on her second husband already, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> Can't even imagine that. So yeah, and then we get to the last line of page 73, which is where I really feared this whole relationship was going the whole time. She kept saying, at least at first, at, at least, least at, at first. first. You get to page 73, and Don pulled me close and put his mouth to my ear, whispering, me and you, we will rule this town. We were married for two months before he started hitting me. And I was like, God damn it, yeah. Don. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's where I feared and thought it was going from the beginning and I was just yeah, like because it's like the movie Don was working on wasn't going well and yeah, he was trying to encourage Evelyn to be like a wife and a mother when Evelyn just wanted to focus on her career and so then he hit her yeah Don's whole thing is he is that quintessential 50s man's man who has to be the very best has to be the breadwinner has to succeed or it's everyone else's fault except mm -hmm. himself so when he wasn't doing well and Evelyn was, was he wanted her to yes. get out of it so that way he could be doing better than she was. So yeah, so this, like, oh, we never said, but I think they know by now, spoilers for this book. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also like trigger warnings for this book. We've done, <laughs> we've done two literature episodes by now, you know about the spoilers. But the, the Dawn part especially it goes very heavily into um like domestic assault stuff so definitely a big trigger warning for that portion because it's it's pretty real so i had another quote that i really liked because i just think it's a great quote oh yeah this is in like going along with don and who he is everyone had a great quote that i think we should all just get tattooed on our skin be wary of men with something to prove is an amazing quote yeah and very true and just mm -hmm. kind of went to what we said about don's whole shtick he was a man with something to prove and he took it out on you if he couldn't i disliked don i disliked 
a lot of them. I think Not I... all of them, but like... Oh, just wait till you finish the book. Oh. Because I'm like, right now... Oh, yeah, by the way, Skylar has not finished the book, so this will be a two-parter. Yeah, <laughs> I only got to chapter 39. But, like, Rex? Mm-hmm. I like Rex. Yeah, I was fine with him. Yeah, he seems fine. He had a little part where I was worried about him, but um, it ended up being okay. So mm-hmm. I was like, eh. Yeah, he was, like, <laughs> a little pushy, and I was like, mm, don't love that. But then, like, we'll get there, we'll get there. So now we can get to where we meet Celia St. James. Yes. Um, she was also cast as Beth. Beth. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, she was so, Beth in Little Women. So yeah, so um, Evelyn got a role. She got Joe mm-hmm. in Little Women. And it was something like a big like thing she'd been pushing on for a while now. And then Celia St. James also got cast as Beth. Um, and, and then Ruby. Yes, her and Ruby were worried. Yes, because Celia was talented a good actress. she was just a good <laughs> actress and like they were threatened they, they could tell that she was gonna be like the star and evelyn really wanted to dislike her because she did feel threatened and was worried that she would be overshadowed but like when she talked to celia she couldn't like resist her charms which i think like reed did a good job of like you know showing two women and instead of pitting them against each other she let Celia and Evelyn work nicely together as like allies instead of enemies. Yes, and like, and that's the thing. It was going like Ruby really wanted it to go into a catty direction. Yes, Ruby was really pushing for that. Um, and so in the beginning, you thought, oh, that's kind of what's gonna be like. But then she does. She kind of flips it, and they're like, oh, they're kind of like best friends and work perfectly together. It's very, if you've ever seen the show Big Little Lies, it's very that. You think the women are all going to be catty with each other, but then it's like wholesome and like women with women. And I'm like, yes, I love Celia and Evelyn. So that was nice. Mm -hmm. And so that happens. They're like, they're working on little women, whatever. And then some stuff. There's that night. Oh, have we gotten to the... I don't know if I'm there yet. Okay. Like I said, I skipped a lot. Yeah. Okay. Not not yet. Okay. But first, I was going to talk about the newspaper article about Evelyn being cold, cold Evelyn. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which happens before that night. I think if it's the same night you're talking about. So, obviously, stuff at home with Dawn is not going great. And Evelyn has to hide her bruises and all this stuff from their housekeeper. And in a way, like, she, she was vain. Like, she admits it. So, she kind of blew up basically on her housekeeper because she didn't want her housekeeper. She freaked and thought the housekeeper was going to see her abuse bruises. Mm -hmm. And the housekeeper kind of took it upon herself to be like, oh, she's a bitch. And there's like, through the whole book, there's this one newspaper that you keep seeing articles for. It's called Sub Rosa. And they are basically like the, the TMZ the trash. Yeah. They're uh, the trash paparazzi. <laughs> yes. The trashy tabloid. This is the article that they posted because of her housekeeper. Sub Rosa, June 22nd, 1959. Cold, cold Evelyn. Why would a beautiful couple with a gorgeous five bedroom home not be interested in filling it up with a brood of children? You'd have to ask Don Adler and Evelyn Hugo that question. Or maybe you'd have to just ask Evelyn. Dawn wants a baby, and certainly we've all been waiting with bated breath to find out what the prodigy of these two beautiful creatures will make his or her way into the world. We know any child they have would be sure to send us into fits of swooning, but Evelyn's saying no. Instead, all Evelyn talks about is her career, including her new movie, Little Women. More than that, 
Evelyn doesn't even attempt to keep a clean house and mind her husband's simple request, and she can't be bothered to be kind to the help. Instead, she's just at Schwab's, or Schab's, I don't know how you say this restaurant, with single girls like Celia St. James. Poor Dawn's at home, yearning for a child while Evelyn's out having the time of her life. It's all Evelyn, Evelyn, Evelyn in that house, and she's left a very unsatisfied husband. It's like, what the fuck is yeah. that article? <laughs> yep. So yeah, like Dawn was pushing Evelyn into being stay-at-home mom, like give me babies. Mm -hmm. That's all you're good for. Yeah, he just wanted her to be a wife and a mother, not a successful actress. Yeah, and she was excited about Little Women, and she was being really good friends with Celia and going out and hanging out with Celia all the time because that's what young women do. Yeah, because she was fun. 19. She was 19. <laughs> <laughs> She's not ready for babies. And, like, even nowadays, it's hard when women are like, no, I don't want kids. People are like, oh, you're so horrible. And, like, but now it's happening less, but it but still, still happens. Yes. But back then, it was even worse. If any woman didn't want a child, oh, yeah. she was the worst person. Yes, but she was also Joe in Little Women. That's mm -hmm. a big fucking deal. That's, like, one of the best roles you could have ever gotten. Joe is amazing. Yes. So, yeah. So I was just like, damn, that's a cold article. Mm -hmm. So based on that, you're like, her and Celia, they're now friends. They were, like, going to try to do this rivalry like we talked about, but no. Um, they're kind of, like, helping slash using each other because... Mm -hmm. Evelyn knows how to manipulate, whereas Celia, who doesn't know how to manipulate, but has the talent where she doesn't even need to. Yes. And so they can kind of work together. Yes. And so now after that article, Evelyn has to save face. Mm -hmm. uh, much like what Evelyn is wont to do, she comes up with a plan. So she fakes a miscarriage. Yes. Which will get the news off her ass. It'll make her and Dawn both look decent because while she is being abused throughout this whole thing, like she does kind of defend the abuse, which is She's no shame to her. No. Because that also still happens and it's... She was genuinely into Dawn. Like, mm -hmm. she loved Dawn. And she says that many times, which just makes it all the sadder. But So she wanted them both to look good. She wanted them both to save face. She wanted the media to back off her ass. And she wanted her housekeeper's word to not mean anything. Mm -hmm. So she had to fake uh, a miscarriage. And it worked out. Like, it got exactly the results she wanted. Just yeah, like like an article, like, pray for... Yeah, like the same like, grief. thing. They, like, turned it around. They were like... All these poor people, and it's just like Hollywood, just the way it changes on a dime. Yep. Yeah. That's a lot of this book, too. It's just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's true. It's accurate to the way that Hollywood and media works. Yes. And so next, the main thing, like, I just have, like, a one little... If this is the same night you're talking about, it's them at... It's Celia and Evelyn at Evelyn's house. Allie had one note. It was just about them killing the fucking wine. <laughs> like, these are my women. <laughs> because they drink, like, two bottles within five minutes. And I'm like, god damn. It's like mood. <laughs> they spend time together and, like, bond. And they're open, honest, and truthful with one another. They are starting to tell each other, like, everything. And they have, like, an emotionally intimate moment together where, like, they see each other, like, changing Celia got wine, wine spills on her sweater yeah yeah and so they're changing and just kind of realize the feelings that could grow between one another 
And then I think it's when they're at like a party that Ruby pulls Evelyn aside and tells her that Celia, like she tells, drops two bombs on Evelyn in one moment. But yeah, well first, going back <laughs> to the wine and the sweater, at the very fucking end of that where it's all like a nice moment, fucking Dawn comes in and my note was just, freaking Dawn had to come and ruin the moment because he came in and it was like, oh, well, They like fine. jumped back. Yeah, nothing's happening, it's fine. Cause, and Evelyn says like she jumped back even though she didn't wasn't doing anything wrong. Yeah. They weren't doing anything. Like she was just she spilt wine in her sweater, so Evelyn was giving her one of her shirts because these bitches were killing the fucking wine. And I was just and they were knocking it back. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and like building fires because they don't need no men. Like it was great. It's a girl moment. But then yes, they go to um, like a launch party, or it was like a party for little women, or something yeah, some, like some, that. Some sort of party to for the movie. And Ruby drops some bombs, and I have two quotes about them, but I'll let you say what they are. <laughs> yeah, so she just dropped two two bombs on Evelyn at the same time. Yes, page one twenty one. She was like, uh, "Hey." This is uh, verbatim because uh, I didn't write down any quotes. She was like, "Hey, babe, Evelyn." Um, one. Celia is a lesbian. And two, Dawn is currently getting a blowjob from some other woman. <laughs> so my quotes were, <laughs> 121, Celia is a lesbian, equals no one is surprised. <laughs> Dawn is cheating, equals no, no one is surprised. surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> Evelyn, what you gonna do, babe? <laughs> and that's kind of where it takes like a, like a backtrack to present day. Yes. And, but after Ruby tells her that, all Evelyn can think about is finding Celia. Yeah. Because Celia, they, is this, they kissed. And Celia ran away. That's later. Later. That's later. Yes. But she's trying to find Celia because that's all she can think about. But yes. And then we get back to, with Monique and... And basically... Evelyn finally answers Monique's question. Who is the love of Evelyn Hugo's life? Celia, Celia St. James. James. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. And... I did like this part because Monique was like, oh, you're gay. And Evelyn was like, no, I'm bisexual. You can't just ignore half of me. And I was like, hashtag bi visibility. Yes, yeah. And that's a big theme throughout the book. Um, it's something that Evelyn really wants into her book. She keeps pushing it. Like, I know you haven't finished the book, but even at the end, it's like a straight thing. She's like, I need you to make sure that it's my, like, body that I used and not my sexuality. Like, it's just, like, she is very defined in it. And Monique was like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Like, it's a it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Because this is, again, early 50s. Bisexuality is not a thing, really, at mm -hmm. that point. I mean, it was still illegal to be gay. Yes. And people were like, no, you're one or the other. Like, yeah. you have to pick. And, and she was like, no, no. And even people in this book, like, they do kind of pressure Evelyn to that. And she's like, no, but I love Celia, but I also, like, I love Dawn. I, she was genuinely attracted to Dawn. Like, Dawn gave her, like, her first orgasm. She was like, I didn't know sex could be like this. Like, yeah. I love him. And then she was like, I didn't know Celia. Like, uh, women could be like this. I love Celia. Like, it's, so she is bi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that's a big thing she wants to know. And I loved that they talked about that because even in, even today in the LGBTQ plus community, bi erasure is such like a big deal and bi phobia is such like a big deal is not the way it's still very prominent. Bi erasure and bi phobia is still very prominent now. Yeah. And so I think it's very, 
I like that when she was talking about when Evelyn was saying, like, no, you can't just ignore half of me. I like both, and that's who I am. Yeah, no, I, I do love that. And now I will bring into when you went into this book, did you know that it was going to take this turn? Yes, because when you told me we were okay. reading it, that it was had some LGBT and so. Okay, did I tell you that? I can't yeah. remember if I let if I told you or if I left you in the dark because I went into it knowing what happened. Like I knew she was bi, um, and I knew like the turn or whatever was like the love of her life as a woman. So I wasn't sure if you knew that going in or not, and if that affected how you read. No, yeah, you already told me. So okay, I, I can't like, remember if I told you or not. So Ruby drops those bombs. Evelyn is quite literally in a closet and Celia finds her, kisses her, or she kisses Celia, I think. Yeah, and then Celia runs away. And then Celia runs away and everyone's like... And then she goes to find Don Yeah. and sees him zipping up his pants and a woman getting yeah. dressed as well. So then what happens is the fallout of that of Evans is trying to like talk herself out of basically like what she feels for Celia. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it was whatever, it was nothing. Um, and there was a quote I really liked on 133, kind of about that, which says, So I told myself that the spark between Celia and me was just a quirk we had, which was convincing as long as it remained quirky. Sometimes reality comes crashing down on you. Other times, reality simply waits patiently for you to run out of the energy it takes to deny it. And I really like that. And mm-hmm. I was just like, that's very, like, true. <laughs> like, you can deny reality all you want. It's there. It's still, it's not going nowhere. Yeah. All of that happens. And basically, Don officially files for divorce. Yes. So it's Don doing it. He says, basically, if she agrees to not say anything about like the abuse and everything that he will give her half of his money and the estate. Yes. But also Sunset Studios is dropping her because mm-hmm. he got her kicked off of their contract. Yep. Because he's, he's the golden boy. <laughs> so she was signed with Sunset Studios, which if you're not like really familiar like how Hollywood works, different studios kind of have their talents in different actors. And Dawn and Evelyn were strictly with Sunset. Celia was a freelance, so she had like her own agent and she kind of bounced between studios. And that's how she ended up on Little Women. And that's why they were so threatened by Celia because she had been doing so good just as a freelance. Like she didn't have a hold in one certain studio. But uh, Sunset did Little Women. They like took on Celia for it because she was good. And whatever and then Don was doing really good and so he kind of became like the golden boy because there's always an actor that has to be the top not an actress an mm-hmm. actor and he used his pull with the studio head to be like I'm divorcing Evelyn you need to kick her out of your fucking studio and they did and they did and Harry was her best friend this whole time we haven't really talked about him yet so Harry Cameron was a producer at Sunset Studios and he was like the one man who never hit on Evelyn. Mm-hmm. And, but he was there from when she was like 15, a baby, like, and she even asked him, was like, why haven't you hit on me or whatever? And turns out Harry is gay. Yes, Harry is gay. But he is her best friend. And so now they like, they're just besties. They're great. I love mm-hmm. them. And so he was also there and he's the one breaking all this news to her that, hey, these are your divorce papers. You get your house, you get half the money. And she's like, but Sunset's dropping me, aren't they? And Harry's like, yeah, can we still be friends? And she's like, fuck off, we're best friends. Yeah, she's like, like uh, duh. God. <laughs> You're not going <laughs> anywhere. Harry. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I love them. <laughs> Harry 
He's so precious. Like I said at the beginning, he just, he cares about her so much. And he, and like, and she even says, like, he is the one family she's, like, ever mm-hmm. felt at this point. Harry's it. Yeah, Harry is her family. True blue is what they say to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they get divorced. Her, and also at this point, like, when that happens, her and Celia kind of finally stop pretending and they get together. Yes. And yeah. Celia's, like, staying at the house with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was so, because Celia won the Oscar award and Evelyn couldn't wait, be. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I have that. I have that. I have that. <laughs> okay. That's so cute. I do have that. I love that part so much. Okay, what is this? Let me see if this is worth it. Oh, I, another quote I just like because I think more people need to hear it, um, especially if you've never read the book. I don't know. I think there's a fine line and it just kind of shows it well. So this is back in Monique talking to Evelyn. And um, Monique kind of admits to Evelyn, like, oh, I'm going through a divorce. And, like, she kind of brought her own personal life into it. Yes, yes, I do have that. The And Evelyn just kind of, like, does the Evelyn way about it or whatever. She's and Monique, very nonchalant and, like... And Monique is like, I guess I don't take divorce as lightly as you, I say. It comes out flatly. I consider softening, but I don't. No, of course not, Evelyn says kindly. If you did, at your age, you'd be a cynic. But at your age, I ask? With my experience, a realist. That in and of itself is awfully cynical, don't you think? Divorce is loss. Evelyn shakes her head. Heartbreak is loss. Divorce is a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because it also kind of like lit a fire under Monique. Like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. I don't feel heartbreak about Don. I just feel like like I failed. Like that was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it was just like you know, like, love and, like, a piece of paper. And it was just, I love that, like, kind of, like, parallel. Like, you don't have to have a piece of paper to prove your love. Yeah, and especially, like, when she says heartbreak is loss, Evelyn, literally everyone she's ever loved is dead. Yes, yeah. At this point in the present, it's just Evelyn. Yeah, everyone else she's ever loved is is gone. (laughs) Yeah. um, And so she knows that true heartbreak is losing people she loves and never being able to get them back. Yeah. Whereas divorce is just a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper and she's had seven of them and she's fine. Yeah. She's sad now. Kind of. Maybe. You'll see at the end when we get there. But she's fine. Mm -hmm. Like heartbreak is what is bad. (laughs) Not divorce. Which is what people like scorned her for. Like oh Mm -hmm. she's had seven husbands. It's like it's just a piece of paper my guys. It's fine. I was 15 when it started. (laughs) At the end of the day, a marriage certificate is a piece of paper. Yeah. And so now we'll switch gears a little bit because I feel feel like we kind of have to talk about the Monique stuff before we get to more Evelyn. So at this point... Oh, where she's like making her... Monique's boss wants to talk about how it's going. And so she kind of has two choices, she says. She can lie and be like, oh, it's going great. She's really excited to do this like piece for the magazine or she can tell the truth and be like actually she doesn't want to do this and she wants a book what would you do would you lie to like your boss for your job or would you tell the truth and potentially risk your job at this point if you had this like forbidden fruit in your hand i'd risk the job you would so Mm -hmm. you'd be like no she just wants me to write a book bye (laughs) I'd risk it, especially like... That's interesting for you. I kind of thought you'd play the safer out because you hate making people upset. 
I know, but... You'd be able to tell your boss, actually. And you legit thought you'd be fired? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's impressive. I think because people who listen to the podcast, writing is my passion. I write all the time. I want to be a writer. That way, if, if, if I could have one dream for myself, it would be to be an author. If you wrote for Rolling Stone magazine and you had consistent writing jobs about music, like you like music, mm-hmm. and like you got to cover like different things like you liked, but it was steady and it was legit. And then Catfish the Bottom Man was like, oh, we want you to write this one off, but it can only be when we're all dead. Would you risk your job for that? I mean, I think I would tell, because I feel like... Not even that, because I don't even know if they're popular enough that a book of them would be, like, a big hit like this. So, like... But I feel like... Like a, a K-pop group A job, like. like, I feel like magazine jobs like that, I don't know if it's just this book for plot devices, but a lot of magazines allow their writers to do other work, as long yes, as they still meet their deadlines. through the magazine where they think it's going to be their piece, you know? Yeah. So, I just think so it, that, I think, is the point. I think if she had just been up front from the get-go, all of this could have been avoided. Maybe, but how do you think, how do you feel about how she handled it? She was honest, but she negotiated, uh, like, a portion to do the book, and then she also had to negotiate Evelyn to sit for a photo. Like, how do you, like, do you think she handled that well? I mean... In the end, like, it's like everyone got what they wanted. The magazine got to have a... She got more, though. She did get more of what she she wanted. So she finessed it. She did finesse it. But in the end, the magazine also got a piece with Evelyn. Evelyn got her book. So it's kind of like... So do you think you, like, would have been able to do something like that? Or would you have picked one or the other? I'm stupid, so no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I... Fair enough. Monique is a Slytherin, <laughs> and that's just the fact. I don't know if she's a Slytherin. <laughs> that was very cunning <laughs> for her to be able to play that off that way. I'm just a little dumb sometimes. I can't think that far ahead. I'm very in the moment. <laughs> I can't. I really can't think that far ahead. So. But I, I also have problems lying. I don't like to lie. You fair. know that. Yeah, that's true. I know. You've added me many times in my lives. <laughs> I have no problem lying. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, because, and it's like, and I also don't see a reason to lie a lot of the times. So, like, when you had lied and were expecting, and I didn't know you had lied, so I just didn't even, like, I was just moving on with my life, and you were like, why did you tell her? I was like, I didn't realize you were supposed to be keeping it a secret. <laughs> Oh, every other thing in my mouth is a lie. Hello. <laughs> I was just like chilling. I was like, I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> and you were like so mad at me. And I was like, maybe I just shouldn't come. And you were like, no, you're fine. <laughs> oh, good times. But yeah, I just don't see a reason for lying. I'm just, I don't know. That's it's just my not survival. Instincts, <laughs> I, guess. I feel like that's just not me. You're just like a zebra prancing around. Like, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Husband number three time. Gullible Mick Riva? 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 How do you say it? Yeah, Mick. Uh, I, I said Riva. Mick Riva? Okay, that's what I thought. So this is the next portion of the book. It's the husband number three section. Yes. Because she gets, she watches Breathless. She goes to France. Max Gerard hires her. But wait, 
now now we can talk about Celia winning an Oscar. Oh yes, the Oscar. He's so cute. Yes, so <laughs> Celia is at the Oscars and Evelyn can't go. Because okay, so with the whole divorce with Don, he also pulled or like like got it to where she would not be nominated for an Oscar for Joe for Little Women, which she should have one hundred percent been. Yes. For best actress. But he pulled his little greasy strings and made that not happen. But Celia was still nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Beth. So, now we're at the Academy Awards. Like, and everyone, and like, Harry was like, worry, and Evelyn was like, no, it's okay, I'm content to watch it from home, and... She's just vibing. And she's just vibing. She's drinking? She's two drinks in. Yes, she is drinking, and she's watching... And Celia wins the Oscar and gives her speech and even thanks Evelyn at the end. And Evelyn was just so happy for Celia that she like ran and went to go kiss the TV <laughs> and broke her tooth. <laughs> LOL. And then the media still tried to portray her as like catty and like cold for not going and supporting yeah. Celia. But like at the whole Little time, did they know she was? She legit her broke her tooth on the TV because she was so happy. It was so cute. It was I so died precious. At that part. I was like, Evelyn, you drunk bitch. <laughs> like we love to see it. But now she was over the moon and so happy. So yeah, she's fresh off of her divorce. Celia just won an award. Celia goes on to another big movie shoot, and she's away for a long time from like. They've been basically living together. And so Evelyn's like, I'm going to go to Paris. Yeah. Because why not? Because <laughs> it's fun. So. <laughs> and she like wiggles her way into a French film. Mm -hmm. And he offers her a part, but she has to be topless. And Evelyn agrees, but only if they do a slow pan down. Yeah, 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 go ahead. But I just have one quote about the end of it. So yeah. Yeah. And, but Evelyn agrees only if they do like a slow pan down and stop before it gets to her nipples. Yes. And, um, and here's why it worked. Man, woman, gay, straight, bisexual, you name it, we all just want to be teased. And Evelyn, <laughs> I love that Because Evelyn, she just knows what she's always fucking doing. And yeah. I respect her so much for that. But yeah, so the director wanted her to be topless and she's like, no, 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 one better. Cut it off right before you see anything. Because we all just want to be teased. And I'm like, yes, bitch. Yes, that it worked. And she became an international sensation. She, like, got her name back from Dawn. Yes. Um, she lands a role in Anna Karina. You can't keep this woman down. Yes. And then that's when singer Mick Riva says, like, in an article that he wants to marry Evelyn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely pictured him as, like, an Elvis type. Yeah. Did you, too? Okay. In my head, he had the whole, like, black yeah, hair and, yeah. like, the... And, like, the guitar always strung to his <laughs> side. <laughs> also, in this, via, like, a news article, we learned that Dawn and Ruby are engaged, mm -hmm. which is, like, yikes. Sketch. Also, just, like, run, girl. You don't, you don't want him. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, comes back later when... It does, and it's very sad. And then Evelyn goes to one of Mick's performances with Celia and Harry. Yeah, my note for this is, oh no, so stressed. <laughs> <laughs> and while they're at the concert, Evelyn holds Celia's hand, in which articles come out. People are speculating. Well, because, okay, so she got so, she was just so happy and in mm -hmm. the moment. 
and like Sudan's like, let's go get steak, like because we deserve fucking steak. And Evelyn's just like, I love that. She grabbed her hand out of excitement, but then everyone kind of noticed, and the thing is, she jerked it back so quickly. Mm-hmm. She was like, this is bad, and people fucking nosy Nellies like narrowed their little beady eyes on her and like whispered to their husbands and it was just fucking hand holding but I was just so stressed I was like oh my god what is gonna happen but then chapter 28 happens which I just kind of loved because it was her play by play of getting a man to Vegas drunk and elope with you yeah and I thought this chapter was golden because the way it's told it's like the first thing you need to do and you're going to do this and then you're going to do this he's going to say this and that's just how the whole chapter is told and yeah. it's great it's really just a play-by-play of how to get a drunk ass playboy singer to elope with you <laughs> <laughs> and that's how she married him <laughs> yes because as all those articles are coming out evelyn was like oh shit we've got to cover this and so she yeah. wanted to go to go out with Mick, but Celia was ready to come out and hope that people would accept them. And yeah. Celia agrees to the plan that Evelyn lays, even though she was ready to give it all up for Evelyn because Celia is very idealistic, whereas Evelyn is very pessimistic, yeah. and they see the world differently, and that puts a barrier like in between their communication and what they want. Not even pessimistic, I would say, more realistic. <laughs> For the time. For the, yeah. Which it does, it makes a big strain mm-hmm. on their relationship. Yes. And it's not to say, like, as you're reading, like, you're thinking, like, oh, like, Evelyn's so heartless. Celia could be cruel a lot, too. And that does come up with a lot of things she says, little snippets. Mm-hmm. So, like, neither of them are perfect, and that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> relationships are not pretty. No. <laughs> No relationships are perfect. No, no one person is perfect. They both are very flawed. But that's what makes it real. Yes. Her plan is to get him to marry her in Vegas and get new, basically just articles to take away from her and Celia. Mm-hmm. Sleepovers or whatever they said. And it goes fine. It seems to go fine. And then the pool scene happens. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because after that... Vegas night when he did not use a condom, we learn. Yep. They're hanging out. They've got their annulment. She's about to get Celia her iced tea in the pool. Evelyn decides to tell her that she's pregnant. Yes. And Celia didn't even realize that Evelyn had planned on sleeping with Nick because she thought that like the whole plan had been laid out before her and yep. sleeping with Mick wasn't a part of that. And then that, of course, caused another whole thing about how Evelyn saw what she did as a sacrifice, whereas Celia saw it as cheating. Yeah. And it it kind of stems from here, but a big thing of their relationship is Celia gets very jealous of men in Evelyn's life, and Evelyn gets very jealous of women in Celia's life. Because Celia is a lesbian. Mm -hmm. Evelyn is bisexual. And... So, I think they say, like, she, Celia sees, like, she can't compete with the men, and Evelyn feels like she can't compare to the women. Mm -hmm. So, it's, like, a whole strain on their relationship to begin with, even though you see in the chapter how much Evelyn hated 
having sex with Mick. Like, she did not enjoy it at all. Mm -hmm. And she even, like, denied him the second time. Yeah, and she then made herself unappealing, so that way Mick would leave her. And, like, the whole time she was just thinking of Celia. Mm -hmm. Celia cannot be, like, she's just so jealous. She can't let it go. She, like, shatters glass in the pool she's in. Like, it's very dangerous. But it's just a whole thing. Um, So they have a really big fight. And they, it's a breakup fight, essentially. Mm -hmm. Celia packs her bags and she leaves. Yes. And three days later, Harry takes Evelyn to Mexico and she gets an abortion. Yes. And then, but after that, that's when Evelyn realizes that Harry is family because he stays with her to comfort her and nurse her and is just there with her for a few days just to, and Evelyn was like. Yeah, I have a note about that. Evelyn realizes that. Harry's family to her and that she will be okay. Yeah, it says on page 190, I did not speak to Celia for five years after that. She did not call, she did not write, and I could not bring myself to reach out to her. I knew how she was doing only from what people said in the papers and what sort of gossip was running around town. But that first morning, as the sunlight shone on my face and I still felt exhausted from the trip to Mexico, I was actually okay because I had Harry. For the first time in a very long time, I felt like I had family. You don't know how fast you've been running, how hard you've been working, how truly exhausted you are, until someone stands behind you and says, it's okay, you can fall down now, I'll catch you. So I fell down, and Harry caught me. He's like, get you a friend like Harry. That was like one of my favorite lines. I know, <laughs> I love it so much. So like, like, oh, baby. Because Evelyn has been fighting for herself. The just... Since 15, if not even younger. before that, like yeah. when her when, we get when to her the mom book, died, it's 15, yeah. yeah, and she was 11, and she was left with her abusive father. Everything has yeah. been her fighting for herself and having no backup. And when she meets Harry, she Harry, Harry, Harry has been there with her every step of the way. And Evelyn finally has and someone like, she can rely yeah, on. Yeah, we didn't touch on it, but when he found out about Dawn, he was like, "I'll fucking kill him," and she was like, "You can't." Like, and he was ready to go to bat for like the top actor of his studio and she was like no no yeah and I feel like this isn't like stated in the book or I don't think it was if I if it was I read over it and I'm thinking of it as my own thought (laughs) (laughs) Um, but part of me feels like Harry probably felt so bad after the things that happened with Dawn because he kind of encouraged her to get with Dawn after knowing that Evelyn liked Dawn and he kind of like winked at her and pushed her to go towards Dawn. Yeah, then, because even at their wedding, he was like, he literally pulled her aside and he was like, are you happy? And like, if she said no, I feel like he would have 100% been like, then I'm taking you out of here. Then you are di- Then you don't have to stay. But she was, because mm-hmm. at that point he was good to her. So yeah. he was like, I'm happy for you, kid. Like, I love this for you. Like, it's great. I just, I love Harry so much. But then when he, finally, he walked in on her on that trailer that one day and she wasn't able to cover up her stuff or whatever, he was like, like, she didn't even say anything. He literally just said, I'll fucking kill him. Mm-hmm. And he was like about to leave and go to Harry's trailer, not Harry's Don's trailer, trailer. Don's trailer. And she was like, no, no, I love him. And he was like, I don't care. No, like, that's, <laughs> he's still hurting you. So, yeah, no, I 100% believe that he definitely felt some guilt for that because I couldn't I didn't think it said it in the book but I was like knowing Harry's character and how much Harry cares about Evelyn I I bet like he probably felt so bad 
And I'm just like, Harry, it's not your fault. Everything is Dawn's fault. I know, and I just, I love that part. And she was just like, so I fell down. And Harry caught me. And I was just like, of course he did. Um, and so then we go into like 192, and Evelyn has a little speech, but I think you also had that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I've been talking a lot. Legit. Do you want to talk about that? Page 191 to 192. So I'm just going to read you yeah. all of these pages. No, it's, it's good stuff. People strap in. So this is literally like right after what just happened. And yes. The next page <laughs> from what I just read. So Monique asks, how long were you two, were the two of you together by that point? Three years, Evelyn says, just about. And she left without another word. Evelyn nods. Did you try to call her? She shakes her head. I was, I didn't yet know that it is okay to grovel for something you really want. I thought that if she didn't want me, if she didn't understand why I did what I did, then I didn't need her. And you were okay? No, I was miserable. I was hung up on her for years. I mean, sure, I spent my time having fun, don't get me wrong, but Celia was nowhere in sight. In fact, I would read copies of Sub Rosa because Celia's pictures was in them, analyzing the other people with her in the photos, wondering who they were to her and how she knew them. I now know that she was just as heartbroken as I was, that somewhere in her head she was waiting for me to call her and apologize, but at the time I just ached all alone. Do you regret that you didn't call her? I ask her, that you lost that time? Evelyn looks at me as if I'm stupid. She's gone now, Evelyn says. The love of my life is gone. And I can't just call her and say I'm sorry and have her come back. She's gone forever. So yes, Monique, that is something I do regret. I regret every second I didn't spend with her. I regret every stupid thing I did that caused her an ounce of pain. I should have chased her down the street the day she left me. I should have begged her to stay. I should have apologized and sent roses and stood on the top of the Hollywood sign and shouted, I'm in love with Celia St. James and let them crucify me for it. That's what I should have done. And now that I don't have her and I have more money than I could ever use in this lifetime and my name is cemented in Hollywood history and I now know how hollow it is, I'm kicking myself for every single second I chose it over loving her proudly. But that's a luxury. You can do that when you're rich and famous. You can decide that wealth and renown are worthless when you have them. Back then, I still thought I had all the time I needed to do everything I wanted. That if I played my cards right, I could have it all. You thought she'd come back to you, I say? I knew she'd come back to me, Evelyn says, and she knew it too. We both knew our time wasn't over. They made me tear up. Yeah. That part. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Damn, Evelyn. <laughs> <laughs> like, <sighs> Evelyn goes, like, just how in-depth and soul-crushing yeah. her regret was for letting Celia leave. Yeah. And, and like, I was like, ow. Yes. And like, and then they were both wrong in that instance. Like, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, but she just so thoroughly was like, I should have gone after her. And yes. They were both wrong. But the thing about Celia being dead is that we don't get Celia's side of. Yes. We only get Evelyn's and Evelyn saying, what she did wrong because we don't have Celia's perspective on what Celia probably also realized that she was in the wrong too. I have a question about that at the very, very end, but you have to finish the book first. Oh. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one of my last notes is a, a question about that. Okay. But yeah, so it's just, yeah, I loved that whole little speech. Mm -hmm. But then we just giddy on up and how do you um, make sure that Anna Karenina doesn't flop? You marry Count Vronsky. Is that how you say it? Vronsky? I haven't seen it or read it in so long. I've never read or seen Anna Karenina. Really? It's really? so sad. Okay. 
But anyways, before we get to that, Monique gets a text from David oh, who okay, wants yeah, to yeah. talk about how things are happening too fast. You talk about Monique. Wow. <laughs> Very barely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The, yeah, the so estranged, gets, I guess, husband at this point. Yeah. Because as soon as like Evelyn finished her speech... Monique's phone rings. Very, phone very timely. Pings. Yes. How Books. that how that works out. <laughs> the second the speech is over. <laughs> but David wants to meet up and talk about how things could be happening too fast. And Monique is like, I don't want to think about that right now. So <laughs> Evelyn, tell me about Rex North. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Which um, happened to be the actor who played opposite her in Anna Karenina. Yeah, I just put uh, the, the leading man in Anna Karenina. <laughs> um, well, if you know it, he played Count. I think it's Bronsky. I'm not, it's all very Russian, right? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, my... Um, I'm just going to let you I'm know I'm not even sure now. I say Anna Karenina much. I'm not sure. I'm a, well, I say Anna Karenina. <laughs> Karenina? Karenina? I don't know. I, I just say Anna Karenina, and I hope Karenina. that that's right. <laughs> I just know Kira Knightley played her. If you remember from our history episode where I did the Romanov family, uh, my Russian phonetics are very subpar. <laughs> they are very bad. Well, yeah. I mean, that's fair. At least you have some. <laughs> <laughs> I just read this book in high school. I don't really remember it much, but I do remember the Kira Knightley movie. But even then, that's been years since I've watched it. I just know it's very sad, and she throws herself in front of a train. Mood. <laughs> so that happened in Hunter Hunter. Is that correct? Hunter Hunter. There's the title of our episode. <laughs> what does Evelyn Hugo have in common with these? <laughs> A Russian classic and anime kids. <laughs> Did Anna Karenina borrow from Hunter Hunter? <laughs> I almost spit my water. <laughs> The classic literature novel took inspiration from the famed anime Hunter Hunter. I love it because it's so ridiculous. I was like, it has nothing to do with our book. <laughs> it just has to be what happens. And the thing is, it didn't even happen in the Hunter Hunter actual anime. It happened in one of the movies, like the opposite. That's probably only like a fourth of the people who watch Hunter Hunter have also watched the movie. People will click on it thinking we're talking about Anna Karina. <laughs> no, we're talking about the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. But gotcha. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> that, that, that's our Halloween special. <laughs> we tricked you. It's spooky here. You, you said trick or treat and you, you got trick. trick. <laughs> yeah, trick. <laughs> that has to be the title uh, now. It, I mean, it can't be anything else. <laughs> Assuming plays Anna Karenina, the main character, since yes. the movie's <laughs> named after. So, next we have the next little section is Clever Rex North, which is the next husband who played her in that movie. Played opposite her in the movie. And I don't hate Rex. I think Rex 
Yeah, so essentially, at the base roots, because this is what it is, this is a marriage stunt. Mm-hmm. It's not a real marriage, and he is 100% in on it. Yeah, he was like, yeah, that's fine, because they just needed something. Because they know that fans would be like, oh my gosh, the two main characters are dating in real life. Like, yeah, if you know anything about the movie or the book, it's really long. It's very deep and kind of like intense. Uh, it's probably like three hours long. So it's like, how do you make sure people go to see it, stay through it? You you marry like your opposite and you're like, oh, what is this chemistry going to be like? So let's take it sell. But yeah, he's 100% into it. There's nothing romantic or sexual about their relationship they just marry as a publicity stunt yeah they both agree to keep their private lives separate they sleep in separate bedrooms and they are just they're both fine with it they're like yep that is how it goes yeah so while that's happening um you also we see like a newspaper article that celia got engaged yes to a quarterback quarterback john braverman yeah braverman um brevarman I think I just said John. Yeah, I could sing <laughs> quarterback John. <laughs> Do what? Quarterback John. That's what I said. Wait. Uh, Braverman. Yeah. Yeah. Braver, Braverman. Braverman. I think Braverman. Braverman. I like Braver. <laughs> man. Braverman. Strong man, brave man. So yeah, you get like three back-to-back news article clippings. So um, Evelyn and Rex get hitched. Celia gets engaged. And Anna Karenina is like a smash it's a hit. at the box office. It's gold. So it like it worked out. Their plan worked out. So they're back from their like the premiere night of the movie. And they like they've been married. They've have separate bedrooms. The like housekeepers are fine with it. Like nothing is weird. It's they have separate lives. They see separate people. And so the movie is a hit. They go to parties, they come back, they're drunk. Rex, like, kind of, like, creeps on Evelyn a little bit. Not creep, like, but he's, like, trying to get it because she's beautiful, obviously, Mm -hmm. and, like, he's attracted to her because he's attracted to lots of women. That's, like, his whole thing. And she is, like, kind of into it a little bit because she's, like, wow, I haven't been touched since Celia. Like, she's missing that Yeah, she just feels, she realizes how lonely her relationship is and how much she, like, misses Celia, but she does deny him because she realizes it can make things super that and he also pulls some lines that she realizes he's pulled every other time and she has a quote that i love and it's on page 207 and it's simply never let anyone make you feel ordinary and so she denies him for that alone and i'm like yes bitch never let anyone recycle pickup lines on you Hashtag Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo plays in the background. Yes, and I'm just like, it's so good. It's so true. Just like, no. You should not be made feel ordinary by someone who wants to fuck you. No. Pass. She doesn't know, and he, like a good boy, leaves. Like, yeah, he doesn't he press doesn't, it. No. Once she says no, he's out of there. He's like, aye, aye. No. Nope. <laughs> you said no? Yes, cool. ma'am. I'm out. <laughs> so, yes. Good on Rex. That's why I like him right there. Yeah, he's just like, he's like one of those, he's, he's like, like he tried to slide in and he struck out and he's like, that. Yeah, he's like <laughs> one of those frat boys that isn't a douchebag. Yeah, he's like kind of a puppy dog in disguise. Yeah, he's like, he's a, he's not a golden retriever gamer boy, he's a golden retriever frat boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's blonde also, so it works. <laughs> so it works, it's perfect. 
But yeah, um, so that happens, and then they keep up that fake marriage for like two and a half years. Yeah, because it wasn't supposed to last that long, but they like got Paramount bought they got three movie contracts yeah, together with Paramount yes. as long as they were in the movies together. And so they were like, "Well, I guess we're gonna stay married." <laughs> yeah, and then the third movie happens, and it was a really big movie for Evelyn. Like it was a good part. Rex was not into it, and he kind of phoned it in. She said, and also he fell in love. Yes. And got someone pregnant. Yes. <laughs> but he like really did love this woman and like wanted to be with her and have a family mm-hmm. with her. And Evelyn was genuinely happy for him that he finally found Yeah, I know. Someone. She was into it. She was like, that's great. She was so happy for him. But it did sort of complicate things again. But so, instantly she was like, let me make a plan. Let yes. me make a plan. She's making a plan. <laughs> and that plan... Is like in the third movie how both their characters were having affairs. She was gonna have an affair, and who did she? Who else could she pick other than her bestie? Besties. <laughs> so yeah. So they decide that they've both been having an affair. Him with Joy, is, who is the woman he has previously been with before, who broke her heart, but he ended up falling back in love with her, got her pregnant, and she's like, and Harry walked in the door at that moment, like, hello, and she's like, you, me, and you, <laughs> and Harry's like. I'm in. <laughs> All right. <laughs> because cool. Harry's the best boy. <laughs> but he does finally tell her, because she has kind of guessed it, but he finally is like, yeah, go. Take oh, it, yeah. Take and, it away. And so, like, while they're talking about that, like, they're, okay, so they're they're in the car, and they're going hanging out together, and Harry's just like, I've been seeing someone. <laughs> and she's like, all right. And he's like, it's Celia's husband, <laughs> the quarterback. And she's like, their marriage is fake. And he's like, 100%. And you're like, oh, shit. Yes. Yes, because Evelyn is like, because she knows that Harry wants a kid and wants a family. And Evelyn is like, if this works out, me, Harry, me, Harry, John, and Celia can all be happy together. Yes. Um, but to get there, they had to get caught in the act. <laughs> so who other, who else did they call other than Ruby? Yes, someone that would snitch. <laughs> who is also very upset with Evelyn right now. So basically, as we talked about, Ruby has married Dawn. And when Evelyn Ruby... And divorced at this point. Yeah, and divorced. Yes. Ruby was very upset with Evelyn because how could Evelyn not tell her what an abusive husband Don was, even though Evelyn couldn't because that was part of the divorce, was yeah, that she wasn't allowed to say anything. But it's just, I mean, Ruby, Ruby does it and sends Papa. Ruby persevered. <laughs> she was like, I'm fine, bitch. She was like, I'm You mad. owe me. <laughs> she was like, all right, I'll send the paparazzi your way. Yeah, because, like, Evelyn's plan is, like, her and Harry get caught in the act, like, at a yes. lover's lane type in, like, scenario. a compromising position. Yes. Um, it's, like, very provocative and scandalous. And during it, Harry suggested that um, they actually do get married. And they're, like, they raise a kid. Because Harry's, yeah. like... This is what he wants. I want a family. Like, I want a woman that I love and I do love you is like not in that way obviously mm-hmm. and she loves him they have a mutual love care and respect for one another that isn't romantic and that's fine and it's very like why not raise a baby with your best friend in the world because you love each other and it's very like they have like a whole shtick on how I met your mother where they make fun of it but 
some people do do that, especially mm-hmm. like gay men and gay or bisexual women or just women who want a baby but don't want to be committed. Like, it could work. You have no idea how many times I've considering considered marrying Landon for tax benefits because he's like <laughs> my best friend. <laughs> and it's like, it's not even that. Like, it's just like there are pros, but mm-hmm. again, it's just marriage is a piece of paper. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't have to be anything. No. And so like during that, like, they get the picture or whatever, but Harry's like, no, let's actually do this. Let's not pretend because I want a family. You want a family. And she's like, I do want a kid. Like, she kind of admits that. And they won't both also just want a companion yeah. that's there. And that's what they've been to each other for years now. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. So it just sense. makes sense. And they do actually love each other. So it's like a great time. And then page 223. Yes. So... We get to chapter 35. Yes. Which is chapter where 35 is two pages. <laughs> yes, which is where we're ending. Monique gets home at 3 a.m. after listening to Evelyn, because Evelyn's had a lot of fucking coffee, and she just hasn't... She's just gone. Yeah, so, most of that was, like, in a one-day thing. <laughs> yeah, so... Monique gets home at 3 a.m., and Monique gets a call from her mom at, like, 6 a.m. or something crazy like that. Yeah, 6 a.m. her mom's time, yeah. Apparently there's been, like, an earthquake, um... And Monique tells her mom that she got everything she wanted. She got fr- from both Frankie and Evelyn. And her mom says how her dad would be so proud of her and always knew that Monique would be a force to be reckoned with. And then we ended chapter 35 with... As I tell my mom I love her and hang up the phone, I feel proud of myself. Smug even. I have no idea that in less than a week, Evelyn Hugo will finish her story and I'll find out what this has all been about. And I will hate her so much that I will truly be afraid that I might kill her. And that's where we end it. And that's where we're going to end this episode. <laughs> da 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 Da-da-da! Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> so, yes, that is quite literally pretty much half of the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. We figured we'd split it because it worked out really well, split-wise, on that kind of like cliffhanger. And also just because our literatures kind of tend to go on for a long time and we end up having to rush at the very end and don't get to actually talk about them maybe as much as we would want. Yeah, because we didn't get to any of the questions in Red, White, and Royal yeah. Blue because I couldn't stop talking. So so I think this is good. Um, it'll also kind of give you, if you're like kind of interesting, you're like, hey, maybe I want to read this book now. You can go read it and then catch up with us in the yeah. next one. Join us for part two. Yes. But yeah, so we will... Put the next episode out next week so it'll be part one and then part two and then we'll spin and all that yes so I don't know. maybe we can have the peach moscow meals next time yeah so maybe we'll still be <laughs> skylar's choice for a drink or something i don't know we'll figure it out yeah i think that'll be fine if we do like a part two just stick with what we have yeah so i guess uh tune in next time and we'll figure out why we hate Evelyn? Question mark? Why Monique is literally about to kill her? <laughs> time will tell. Time will tell. You just gotta, you just gotta join us next time. That's all there is to it. Yeah, for our first two-parter. I know. And how many times we should have done two-parters <laughs> by now? We finally are like, all right, let's do one. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> well, I guess let's take us out of here. If you would like to get in contact with the with us as a unit, you can. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. If you would like to get in contact with us as a unit, 
um, for our podcast. You can follow the podcast at Sip In Spin Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us at sipinspinpod at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to get in touch with Brittany, her ats are either Whimsy Dream or Whimsy Dreams, depending on what was available. And then I, if you want to get in contact with me, I am GleamYKS on all social media. But as always, all three link trees will be down in the description below. You just need to click on them. Yes. Oh, we also have a TikTok. I keep forgetting about the TikTok. Uh, TikTok is also Sip In Spin Pod. Yeah, we need to put more on there. But yes, we do have. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And we hope you tune in next week for the second half of Evelyn Hugo. And Part two. We'll sip with you then. Bye. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye.